0: Chapter 6 When Lighthouses Are Dark by Ethel C. Brill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 6. Treed by a Moose. The moose came on, crashing through the trees and underbrush. Ralph had scarcely begun to climb when the beast was under the birch, tossing his antlers, tearing at the ground with his hoofs, and bellowing furiously. THE BOY'S STONE COULD NOT HAVE HURT HIM MUCH THROUGH HIS THICK HIDE, BUT IT MUST HAVE OFFENDED HIS DIGNITY. ORDINARILY, A moose IS A HARMLESS ANIMAL ENOUGH, BUT ONCE HIS TEMPER IS AROUSED, HE IS FORMIDABLE INDEED, AND THAT WAS THE SEASON WHEN HE WAS IN HIS LEAST AMIABLE FRAME OF MIND. HE WAS SURELY ANGRY. HE REARED HIS BIG BODY. IT LOOKED ENORMOUS TO RALPH, AND REACHED FOR THE BOY WITH HIS GREAT SPIKED ANTLERS only an intervening branch saved the lad from the sharp prongs in trembling haste he scrambled up as high as he could having failed to get at ralph with his horns the animal began striking into the tree trunk and branches with his forehoofs and bumping up against it with his great bulk as if he were trying to knock it down he shook it so ralph had all he could do to hold on he had the hatchet in one hand, and could grasp the tree with his legs and the other hand only. Once he almost lost his grip, and the narrow escape brought his heart into his mouth, for if he had fallen he would have gone down right on top of the furious beast. Unable to jar the boy out of the tree, the moose stamped around under it, sending the rotten wood, leaves, and earth flying in showers with his sharp-edged hooves. AND BELLOWING AND ROARING WITH THE FULL FORCE OF HIS VOICE AND LUNGS. WHEN HE HAD EXHAUSTED HIS FIRST RAGE, HE QUIETED DOWN A LITTLE. THEN A RUSTLING IN THE BIG CEDAR WHERE LAWRENCE WAS ATTRACTED HIS ATTENTION. LOOK OUT, RALPH CALLED, HE'S COMING FOR YOU. HOLD ON, OR HE'LL JAR YOU OUT. BEFORE RALPH HAD FINISHED HIS WARNING, THE BEAST HAD CHARGED LARRY'S TREE. BUT LARRY HELD FAST. "'Ralph could see just the top of his friend's head "'and part of one arm between the branches. "'The moose favored Lawrence with his attentions for a while, "'then he went back to Ralph. "'He had stopped bellowing and only snorted now and then. "'Evidently he was not as angry as he had been. "'He did not charge the birch that time, "'but just rubbed up against it hard, "'then drew off a little and shook his antlers at it. "'He showed no intention of going away, however,' but kept close to the trees where the boys had taken refuge it was the first time ralph had ever seen a moose but he had plenty of chance to study the animal he was an ugly-looking beast with his great homely head with its long hooked muzzle little eyes and big coarse ears his short thick neck with a ragged-haired fold of skin hanging down from it his big shoulders and chest his sloping back and comparatively small lean hindquarters, which seemed out of all proportion to the rest of him. His antlers were wonderful, though, great spreading horns, shaped like deeply cut leaves with thirty or forty sharp prongs. The boy thought they must be five feet or more across at the widest part. He realized with a shiver that it would not take those prongs many minutes to tear him to bits if they ever reached him. After the moose had quieted down, he decided to feed a little. His forelegs were so long and his neck so short that he did not look as if he could reach down to graze from the ground. At any rate, he did not attempt to. He selected a slender young birch, put his big chest against it, and pushed. The birch bent, of course. He held it in position with his chest and straddled it, Keeping it down with his body and legs, he moved along, stretching out his neck until he could reach the tender, growing parts with his curved, overhanging upper lip. He seemed to like this food and browsed quietly enough, though the slightest rustle in the trees made him pause and shake his antlers and snort a little. After what seemed like several hours, but was probably not more than one, he apparently made up his mind that his prisoners were not worth bothering about any longer— Perhaps it was because they had kept still for so long. Going quietly this time, he started off through the woods. The boys waited until they could no longer hear the clicking of his cleft hoofs as the loose, spreading tips came together after every step. Then Ralph began to climb down from his tree. He was stiff and cramped from holding on so long in an uncomfortable position, and just as he was within a few feet of the ground, he slipped lost hold and went down crash into a small balsam then he heard a bellow and the bushes began to crackle the moose was evidently not so far away as the lad had thought he's coming back called larry and ralph untangled himself in a hurry from the balsam and jumped for his birch again he had not reached his old place of safety when the moose burst out of the thicket close to larry's cedar "'and stood there stamping and tossing his antlers. "'Finding everything quiet, he soon grew calmer "'and went to stripping the tender bark and twigs from a young aspen. "'Time dragged on. "'The moose moved about through the woods, fed a little, "'went down to the shore to drink, but never went far away. "'Whether he was really staying there to watch them "'or whether this was merely a favorite stamping ground, "'the lads could not tell.' THE LEAST MOVE THEY MADE WHEN HE WAS WITHIN HEARING ATTRACTED HIS ATTENTION, AND HE NEVER WANDERED SO FAR AWAY BUT THAT THEY COULD HEAR HIS HOOFS CLICKING. NOW AND THEN HE SNORTED A LITTLE JUST TO REMIND THEM OF HIS PRESENCE. SINCE THE SUN HAD GONE DOWN, THE AIR HAD BEEN GROWING COLD. THE BOYS HAD LEFT THEIR COATS ON THE RIDGE, AND EVEN THEIR HEAVY FLANNEL SHIRTS DID NOT KEEP OUT THE CHILL. They ached all over from their uncomfortable positions, their legs and arms cramped and grew numb, and they could not move enough to relieve them. It was directly due to this cramping that Ralph had an accident that made matters worse than they were before. The moose had returned from one of his little journeys and was standing right under the birch. Ralph had been keeping perfectly still for some time for fear of arousing the beast, but grew so cramped and achy that he felt he must change his position. He moved just a little and attempted to shift the hatchet from his left hand to his right. The movement attracted the attention of the moose, and he bumped up against the tree, just as the lad was making the change. Jarred violently, Ralph had to seize a branch. The hatchet slipped from his grasp and went crashing down right on the moose. The boy did not know whether it was the edge, the flat, or the back that hit the animal, or what part of his body it struck, but the moose gave a tremendous bellow. The long hairs on his neck, standing up with rage, reared up and came crashing right into the tree. Ralph held on for all he was worth, while the furious beast stamped about, tearing up the ground, snorting, bellowing, striking with his forehoofs, and driving his antlers into the tree, until his prisoner wondered that he did not break them clean off. He was in a fine fury, and his roars fairly deafened the boy. Ralph had never been so frightened in his life. He thought the moose was going to tear down the birch. Luckily it was a big strong tree, "'Nevertheless, the animal shook it and mauled it "'so that Ralph was in mortal fear of falling. "'He was stiff and numb, not only from cramping, "'but with fear as well, "'and it was a wonder he did not lose his hold. "'It would have been all up with him if he had. "'When the moose finally began to calm down, "'the lad found himself shaking, "'and his teeth chattering as much with fright as with cold. "'Dusk had changed into darkness,' and still their jailer showed no sign of deserting the two boys. They did not attempt much communication, for every sound tended to excite the moose and throw him into a rage. Moreover, they were too miserable to talk. It was not only Ralph's body, but his mind that suffered. He kept thinking of Meg and Jack on the ridge, and how frightened they must be at his failure to return. If there was one moose in the woods, there were probably others— what was to prevent a moose or some other wild animal from attacking them up there, and they had nothing to defend themselves with, not even the hatchet? His fears were not lessened any by a sound that came to him occasionally through the darkness a far off, rather dog like howling. Wolves, he thought, unless there is a hunter with dogs somewhere around here, and that he could not believe. HIS ONLY COMFORT WAS THAT THE SOUND SEEMED TO COME FROM BEYOND THE LAKE, THE OPPOSITE DIRECTION FROM THE RIDGE. HE REALIZED HOW FOOLISH HE AND LARRY HAD BEEN TO BOTH OF THEM COME DOWN TO THE LAKE. ONE OR THE OTHER SHOULD HAVE STAYED WITH MARGARET AND JACK. TIME WENT ON, AND STILL THE moose DID NOT LEAVE. FOR A WHILE HE WAS VERY QUIET, THEN RALPH HEARD HIM STIRRING ABOUT. Looking between the branches, he could distinguish the huge form moving down to the water. The moose went in a little way, lowered his head to drink, then raised it, tossed his antlers for a moment, and then sent a great bellowing sound out across the lake. In a moment, there came a distant answer. Whether it was the voice of another moose or merely an echo, Ralph could not tell, but it seemed to excite the beast. With a great splashing, he dashed forward into the water till it was up to his shoulders, then settled down to swim. He swam powerfully, leaving a wide wake. There was no moon, but the night was unusually light, for a reason the boys were to discover later. So Ralph could see distinctly the animal's antlers black against the water. The moose made for a little island, but instead of landing— he rounded the end and disappeared. The lad waited for perhaps five minutes, straining his eyes, but saw no more of the black antlers. Then he called softly to Lawrence. "'Larry, he's gone.' "'Are you sure?' "'Yes, he swam across and around the end of a little island out there. We'd better get out of this as fast as we can.' They scrambled stiffly and awkwardly down. "'Now,' said Ralph, "'we've got to find our way back to the ridge. "'But how we're going to do it in this darkness, I don't know. "'I haven't even a match.' "'I've something better than matches,' Larry replied. "'Suddenly, from where his voice came from, "'there was a gleam of light. "'A flashlight!' Ralph exclaimed. "'A little bit of one, but it's better than nothing.' WHEN I TOOK OFF MY COAT, IT FELL OUT, SO I PUT IT IN MY SHIRT POCKET, AND HERE IT IS. LET ME HAVE IT A MINUTE, AND I'LL SEE IF I CAN FIND THE HATCHET. WE CAN'T AFFORD TO LOSE THAT. RALPH FOUND THE HATCHET, ITS HANDLE BROKEN UNDER THE BIRCH. THEN, FEARING TO SEE THE moose RETURNING, HE GLANCED ACROSS THE LAKE. LARRY, HE CRIED, LOOK THERE AT THE SKY. THE WHOLE NORTHERN SKY WAS STREAKED WITH WAVES AND COLUMNS OF LIGHT. Wavering and changing every moment, the aurora borealis flooded the sky from the zenith as far down as the boys could see. They had watched the northern lights a number of times in the last two months, but never had they seen them like that, so bright and full of color. The vibrating, changing waves and bands were flushed with yellow and pink and orange and green. The lads had no time to delay, but as they went along the lake shore, their eyes turned again and again towards the beautiful dancing lights. In spite of their haste, the boys did not forget to fill the can which Lawrence had clung to during the whole of the siege. As they drew near the beaver house, they caught a glimpse of the little woodcutters scurrying to the water. The electric torch was only about six inches long, and gave a very small light— Fortunately, had had a fresh battery, and by turning it on one tree after another, the fugitives managed to find their blazes. The lads were stiff and lame all over. As the light was of almost no use to illuminate their path, they were continually stumbling and missing their steps. They went as fast as they could, though, for they dreaded every moment to hear the moose on their track. Several times they heard his bellow in the distance— across the lake probably, and the sound made them quicken their pace. But the going was slow at best. They made their way through the woods across the more level ground and felt encouraged when they found themselves ascending the slope. As they came out of the thick growth, Ralph pointed to the ridge top. "Look there," he said, "they've done that to guide us." On the summit of the ridge a fire blazed. "'I'm mighty glad to know they're all right,' and his voice shook. The boys had limbered up considerably as they made their way through the woods, but nevertheless it was not easy work climbing the steep slope in the dark. They slipped and slid and bruised themselves before they succeeded in getting up. As they gained the top, they shouted to let the others know they were coming, and felt relieved when Jack answered. In a few moments, they had reached the fire, and Meg had her arms around Ralph's neck and was crying. "'That's just like a girl,' her brother said. "'She braces up and is as plucky as can be till a thing is all over, and then she breaks down and cries.' He neglected to mention the choky feeling in his own throat. After Margaret had had her cry out, the boys told her what had kept them. "'A moose!' she exclaimed then that was what I heard. What do you mean? said Ralph, alarmed. Was there one around here? Oh, no, but I heard something roaring down by the lake. After you left, I rested a little while. I was gathering moss to make Jack's bed more comfortable when I heard a queer noise and came here to the edge of the bluff to listen. It sounded like some kind of an animal roaring, and I was terribly frightened, for I was afraid something was attacking you. "'I didn't think of moose, but I thought it might be a bear. "'After a while the noise stopped, "'but as the time passed and you didn't come, "'I grew more and more frightened. "'Was that the only time you heard it?' "'No, after it began to grow dark, "'the sound came again several times, "'and I thought it seemed louder and fiercer than before.' "'He was angry because Ralph dropped the hatchet on him,' said Larry." Jack was asleep and didn't wake up. Then a long time afterward I heard it once more, but that time it sounded different. It was a long, drawn-out sort of bellow, as if the beast were calling. "'That was what he was doing,' said Ralph, before he started to swim across the lake. It was almost eleven o'clock, and the adventurers, now that the excitement was over, found that they were nearly starved.' Jack had waked long enough to eat some bread and butter and cold beans, but Margaret had not been able to choke down a mouthful. She had spent the time collecting moss, bark, and what dry branches she could find in the darkness, and break off with her hands, and had kept the fire going, both as a beacon and to frighten away wild animals. Now she heated the beans in one of the tin boxes, and the older boys ate until she stopped them, for fear there would not be enough left for breakfast." Lawrence had spilled almost half of the water he was carrying on his rough trip back to the ridge top, but enough remained for a good drink all around. Ralph and Larry were too tired to expend much energy cutting branches for their beds. However, they did not think it wise for both of them to sleep at the same time. They remembered the distant howling, though they did not say anything to Margaret about it, and she evidently had heard nothing of the sort.' THE TWO LADS AGREED TO TAKE TURNS KEEPING UP THE FIRE AND STANDING GUARD. THE AIR WAS COLD UP THERE ON THE RIDGE, AND RUGS AND COATS WOULD SCARCELY HAVE KEPT THEM WARM WITHOUT A GOOD FIRE. IT WAS AFTER MIDNIGHT WHEN THE CAMPERS SETTLED DOWN, Margaret SHARING JACK'S BED AND RUG, AND RALPH TAKING FIRST WATCH. HE FELT DEAD TIRED AND HAD TO WALK UP AND DOWN TO STAY AWAKE. EVEN THEN IT WAS HARD WORK TO KEEP FROM DOZING WHILE HIS FEET CONTINUED TO MOVE. THE NORTHERN LIGHTS, WHICH HAD BEGUN TO FADE BY THE TIME THE BOYS REACHED THE RIDGE, WERE ALL GONE, ONLY A DULL GLOW REMAINING IN THE NORTH. FAR AWAY BEYOND THE LAKE HE HEARD THE FAINT HOWLING AGAIN. IT MADE HIM SHIVER A LITTLE WHEN HE THOUGHT OF THE EXPANSE OF WILD, LONELY COUNTRY. HAD ANY WHITE MAN EVER PENETRATED IT? HOW MANY MILES AWAY WAS CIVILIZATION? WOULD THEY EVER REACH IT AGAIN? what unknown dangers might not lie before them. But nothing disturbed him, except a hare that leaped out from under a bush, almost at his feet, and fled away in the darkness. At two, Ralph called Larry, and went to sleep as soon as he had rolled into his blanket. End of chapter 6